Good morning. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning to start off with. Uh, normally we kind of say hi, how you guys, everybody stand up and everybody do things, but uh, I kind of want to quiet things down a little this morning. So I'm just going to ask you guys while you're sitting in your chairs right here to kind of just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute and kind of remember why and think why we're here this morning and who we're here to give praise and glory and honor to. God, sometimes the silence is scary. But you say, be still and know that I am God. And I don't think we do that enough. We come in and we have our lives uh, just going on from the week. And we bring that in here and sometimes we forget to drop it at the door. So as we meet as a congregation, as we meet as a family this morning, help us above all to remember why we come here to church. And that you are enough. And that we lift our voices and sing praises to you because we love you. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, Sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Stand and sing with us.
You guys sound amazing, by the way. I have to tell you that from up there. I'm getting all you guys. It's awesome stuff. Hey, um, while, while we're standing up here, we're going to uh, recite the Apostles' Creed. Can you put that on board for me? Right. And again, this is what we believe in. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated on the right hand of God the Father. And he shall come again from heaven to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Anybody believe what you just recited? What? Oh, that's better. And for 2,000 years, people have been followers of Jesus and have been professing things, maybe not in those exact words, but uh, that truth that is conveyed in the Apostles' Creed has been held on to for 2,000 years since the coming, rescuing work of Jesus, uh, dying on the cross for our sins and being raised from the dead, uh, waiting at the right hand of the Father for the appointed time when he will, in fact, return. And these days, we're probably looking forward to it more and more. Wouldn't you agree? his return to set things right in the universe in which we live. So we have people who are professing that truth today in, in that long succession of saints over the years, over two millennia, that our followers of Jesus have come to rest their, their eternal security in his finished work and have put their trust in him and want to give witness to that today before the body of believers and friends and others who may be looking in, wondering about this uh, Jesus business. And uh, that's what we're about, is following him. He's a good savior, and he's a good leader, and the one I want to be under his authority. How about you? So today I'm going to begin by introducing Keyshawn Cruz, who I'll call Sean, because you might recognize him that way. One of our uh, Harmony uh, Christian School students. Uh-oh, hello. Anyway. I'm not hurt. <laughs> You're not hurt. He's not hurt. <clears throat> anyway, uh, some of you may know that uh, he and Sarah with an H are destined to become married next year. And so this is a big event. This is kind of fun. Yes, that's very good news. Keyshawn, tell us your story a little bit. Uh, you were in school here and went through a hard time. And uh, Tell me about when you be believed in the Lord Jesus and how things have turned around lately. Um, I came to faith, I don't know, um, maybe, I, I can't honestly tell you, but um, it was just one day during chapel. Um, it was around the time my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. Um, it was just a hard time. Um, 
and I was kind of looking for an answer, just something to ease me. Um, uh, maybe, maybe a couple months after that, uh, my grandmother had passed away, and um, I was pretty upset. Um, I was going through a hard time. Um, I was really counting on her to get through it. Um, it was it was hard for me because those were the teen years, and um, that was kind of like the building blocks of who I was going to become. And it was uh, it wasn't looking good. <laughs> um, and then ninth grade, I met Sarah, and. Um, uh oh. <laughs> um, and she kind of she kind of turned things around for me. Um, it was it was my second beginning, if I should say. Um, but even with that, I was kind of I was living a lifeless walk with God. Um, I didn't really have any persona. Um, and as of lately, um, maybe like four months ago or something like that, it's it's kind of I've kind of grabbed my life by the horns, and uh, I'm living my faith to its fullest right now. Um, I've never felt so comfortable in my faith. Um, but yes, I am I'm here to uh, to lay my old life to rest. Amen. Very good. This way, so Keyshawn, uh, what's happened is uh, you went through a dark time and you finally settled the issue of Jesus being Lord. Correct. You're here of your own free will today. No one's pressuring you, even the lovely Sarah with an H. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> And uh, you have come to rest fully in the finished work of Jesus for your eternal destiny. Yes. And is it your intention before all these people to acknowledge that you intend to follow Jesus for the rest of your days? Yes, I do. Amen. Because of your profession of faith, Sean, I'm delighted to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's always good to have one from each side. So on the feminine side, we have Fawn Strauk. They've been coming here a couple of years now. Come on. Yeah, it's your turn. Yeah, <laughs> Can't change your mind now. We're all wet. So why don't you turn this way so everyone can see you. Uh, Fawn, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, she has a long story of uh, emigrating to the U.S. and it was actually a, a Baptist church that helped her family get here and so there was some of that influence for the gospel. And, uh, but eventually she was struggling with um, some bullying with her family and so she was asking God for help. You want to pick it up from there or you want me to keep asking questions? I can keep asking questions. Did, did I tell the truth? Yes. Yes. And so she had been asking for God's help, and in that process, searched out the school and, and then ran into the church here, and you started coming. Yes. And your family started coming, 
And uh, one day some people from the church visited you and um, you came to a conclusion. What did you do? Well, I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> sorry, I'm That's a little okay. nervous. That's okay. <laughs> who, well, did, who did you invite into your life? God. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so you, you have, uh, you know, prayed with people to not only help your family life, but to help you follow Jesus. Yes. That's right. And it's, my life has drastically changed since then. So glad. So how long have you been here? It's been... Oh, it's been two years. Two years. Over two years. Okay. Almost three. Right? Jesus. Probably. <laughs> Somebody here may know. He's, he's waving at us. He's, two years. Okay. Her family's sitting right out there taking the movies. Guy. <laughs> Do not post this. Anyway. <laughs> so, Fawn, uh, we're delighted that the transformation came about. And one of the times we were doing baptism, Fawn came up to me and said, You know what? I need to do that. So you're here to obey the Lord Jesus, correct? It's been too long. It's been too long. All right. I'm going to have to turn here and grab onto my arm okay. right here. That's it. This hand. You're good. Fun. Uh, let me ask you a straight-up question. Have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life? Yes. And you're trusting only in that? Yes. Is it your intention to follow Jesus for the rest of your days? Yes. Okay. You're here of your own free will. No one is pressuring you. Because of your profession of faith, Fawn, I'm absolutely delighted to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Getting cheering back here. Let me just say a couple of other things. One is uh, it's a simple act of obedience. It does not rescue us. It's because we've been rescued that we follow in the footsteps of Jesus and uh, take that step of baptism. I'll be talking a little bit about it later, but one of the things I wanted to mention is uh, our dear sister, um, Mrs. Lou, is here today and some of her family sitting in the back. Uh, make sure you greet them. But I thought it would be appropriate at this time, since our brother has gone to be with Jesus, and uh, share with you that my last visit with him was a very uh, prolonged spiritual conversation. And he had one bit of unfinished business. And if he had lived, he would have been in this baptistry today. He asked and insisted that I put him on the list. I said, you're at the head of the list, but you know what? He's beaten us to glory. And so God will sort all of that out. But um, I just wanted you to know that he gave a clear witness to his trust in Jesus Christ and wanted to follow through with the step of baptism. When the service is over today, uh, I'll have uh, Fawn and Sean be up front and Mrs. Lou will be there with her family. Make sure you greet all of these people, if you would. Let's pray together. God, thank you for those who come to know you who have their Holy Spirit life transformation taking place. Thank you for Sean and Fawn and the way you've been working in their lives to sort issues out and give them clarity and direction. Lord, we're in a world of confusion. People don't know today which end is, which end is up and which is down. 
And Lord, you have a clear word and clear instruction that brings us on the path of peace and life and victory. Lord, give that kind of grace to these saints. Strengthen their inner man and woman. Make them powerful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things today giving you thanks. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. ushers to come up and we'll do some announcements real quick and we'll pray for the offering uh, some announcements listen if you're a guest this morning and this is your first time hanging out with us here at harmony baptist church uh, in the seat in front of you there's a little card if you would just be so kind as to fill that out you can throw it in the offering plate uh, there's a box in the back you can put it in that would be awesome also today is the last day that we're accepting suggestions for our new kids program uh, some of you or most of you have received an email from Katie Lucas uh, regarding some of the changes that are coming up, and we're looking for some teams to get together to uh, revamp our kids' program. So if you look in your bulletin, I think on the third flap, up at the top, there's a little box you can rip off, cut out. If you have a name suggestion, fill it out, throw it in the thing. Um, Mrs. Lucas is going to buy you dinner if we pick your name. No, it's not really going to happen. But uh, there's no prize. You just get the satisfaction of knowing that we picked your name. Also, uh, adult Sunday school class next week. Uh, there is no adult Sunday school class. Sorry, September 3rd. Class resumes on September 10th. That's also, I believe, when we're starting the new kids program, September 10th. So keep that in prayer. Uh, prayer meeting tonight has been moved to next Sunday. Or no, I'm sorry. Prayer meeting has been moved from Sunday, September 3rd to Sunday, September 10th. I'm like a month ahead. Also, if you're in the Daily Bible, you should be at, let's see, currently page 508. If you're on the ebook, you should be on April 22nd. Uh, check out your bulletins. If I missed anything, you can come to me after and be like, hey, you totally missed this. So um, we ask uh, the ushers to come forward. And we're going to pray for the offering. Uh, after we finish this song, this song uh, we're going to dismiss the kids to junior church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for uh, just how awesome you are and uh, the coolness of the day, the beauty of the day as the sun came up this morning, just thinking, what an amazing God we serve, how great you are. Lord, we are so uh, blessed this morning to be able to share in the baptism of these people as we welcome them into our congregation, our family. But most importantly, Lord, uh, we know that you're working in their life. And Lord, we pray that um, you just continue to work and to move and to guide and direct. Lord, help us to uh, come alongside and, and, and minister where we can. Uh, Lord, we just pray for this offering that would use it to, that you would use it to further your kingdom. Lord, help us to be kingdom-minded in all that we do. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Give thanks. Amen. As they go by with the plates, um, you guys stand and join us in singing, okay? Oh, God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you, and I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you lead me. I will follow you all of my days 
sing that again. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. Lift your voice. And I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. And I will seek you in the morning. And I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step you lead me. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Just your voices. Oh God, you are. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Junior Church, you can be dismissed as we keep continuing singing this morning. Trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can bear, not a sorrow we share, but a Zero. Yeah. 
Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice. It trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. How great is our God.
God, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you are a great God. And you are good. We love you. Thank you for allowing us to lift our voices this morning. We pray that what you heard is sweet to your ears. Bless us now, God, as we get ready to hear your words. Open our hearts. Enlighten us. We thank you. We give you all the praise and glory that's due you. In your precious name, amen. Hi. You're nice and close, Sarah, with an H. And you took my seat. I know, that's all right. This one's open. Good morning, everyone. I thought it would be fun today to, uh, in light of uh, what we had as a, as a uh, visual aid this morning, baptism of repentance. And I'm going to use a story out of the Old Testament. We've been reading, for those of you who are visiting, we've been reading together through the Scripture in this version of the Bible, uh, the Daily Bible, which puts it all in chronological order, kind of explains it a little, because maybe you've noticed sometimes when people read the Bible, they go, huh? Anybody ever notice that? Maybe you went, huh? And uh, this helps sort it out a little bit. It's very useful. I've gotten so many positive uh, bits of feedback about it. And uh, everywhere we've used it, it seems like it's been that way. So I, I thought about a baptism of repentance, and I'll explain what I mean in just a minute. But if you would like to get one, we still can get them for you. Uh, talk to Jody. She's sitting in the back row right there. Smiling and holding up her version of, she has an extra one in her hand. So you who are desperate, don't let her get out of the building. Okay, there you go. So if you uh, think about this uh, phrase, we had a visual aid this morning. We had, we had uh, the practice of baptism, two things that Jesus commanded that would act out the gospel. Right? The good news, the gospel, that God rescues people who are separated from him, which, by the way, is the whole human race, left to ourselves. The good news is, is he will restore us in relationship with him if we come his way. And so that gives you a little hint of the word repentance, meaning I changed my mind. I'm going this way. I'm willing to turn around and go the other way. That's what's involved in that. And uh, throughout the New Testament, you have pictures. You also have pictures in the Old Testament. In fact, the midpoint was when John the Baptist, that's not me. I have been called that on an occasion. However, no. John the Baptist, that segue prophet, right, between Old Testament and New Testament, who says, make way, the, prepare the way of the Lord for Jesus to come on the scene and actually baptizes Jesus, not because he needed a baptism of repentance, but because he was leading the way as the first of his church and everyone else was going to follow in his footsteps, so to speak, showing obedience, if you will, to the Father. John the Baptist comes on the scene preaching a, in fact, let me just show you the verse. The Baptist appears in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What forgives sins? Water. It washed it away, right? No, thank you, somebody was on their game there. Everybody's like, okay, this is news to us, but... The water is an outward visual aid, correct? 
So John the Baptist would say to people, they would come like the Pharisees came, some of them to get baptized. He said, you generation of vipers. That's back when they used to preach real user-friendly sermons. <laughs> hey, you snakes, what are you doing here? And uh, they, were, they were broken and they were um, under conviction. And he would say to them, well, if you're going to get baptized, bring forth fruits of repentance. Exactly. Show that you've changed your mind. You stealing from people? Stop stealing. Make it right. Are you misusing people or pushing them around, bullying them? Stop doing that. Stop act, start acting like, you know, you really know God for a change. That's what he did. And so he was preaching a baptism of repentance. And you can see the visual. If my heart has gotten clean before God, the outward action of washing is a picture of that sin being washed away. A fresh start, right? Anybody ever come home from a day in the city, and you just can't wait to get in the shower, right? Get all that grubby smog off you and what have you. I see city workers shaking their heads, yes. You know what I mean. There's a fresh start, and that's kind of the picture when John the Baptist comes on the scene. Jesus takes that and takes it further and says, it's not just a picture of having your sins washed away. It's a picture of being united with me. You're a follower of mine. I'm telling you to do this. It's like putting on a uniform when you join the military, you know, you may have joined last week, and I can't tell because you're still in your civvies, right? But the minute you put that uniform on, everybody knows, oh, there he is. You know, he's, he's Army. He's Air Force. We know. And Jesus said, this will be the mark of my followers. And another thing, you're identifying with him in death, burial, and resurrection. I thought this morning was a good picture, and what we're about to uh, look at in the Scripture from the Old Testament is the same kind of picture, but in the time of John the Baptist and Jesus and his disciples, it says over and over again, because some people observe, we actually immerse people completely in water. Like, how radically fanatical is that? Why do we do that? Because after the Reformation, as people began to dig back into the Word of God, they discovered, hey, did you notice something? Did you know the first Baptist-type people were not immersionists? Did you know that? The Anabaptists baptized by pouring because that's what they had learned from Catholicism. It made sense. Later, as they dug into the Scripture, they said, hey, look at this. Everywhere you read about baptism, it says they go down into the water and then they come back up again. Well, why do you go down? Why was John the Baptist baptizing near Anon, near Salem? Pronounce that yourself. Uh, Near Salem, because there was much water there. Why do you need much water? Because they would go down into the water and come back up. It would be a a bath, an immersion, a washing away to dip in and be cleansed. And so that's the pattern that was involved. And so... Jesus commandeers that and says, let me tell you what else is pictured in this. Here's water. Imagine that water as the grave, as ground. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. Did he stay there? He rose again from the dead, and we're identifying with him. We're kind of acting out the gospel in death, burial, resurrection. I like the way you put it, Sean, this morning, you know, Starting new, the new life, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And the old life, I'm gonna, that's what you said, I'm going to bury the old life. I'm here to put it to death. That's exactly the visual 
in the waters of baptism. That's the whole point. Now, that has to happen in your heart before you do it physically. And that's what happened. All right? So don't get confused. If I just have some magic done to me, that'll save me. That doesn't, that's not how it works. What saves is the finished work of Jesus that I trust in to cleanse me from my sin. But then I want to follow him and act it out. Okay. So I want to tell a story out of the Old Testament. Those of you who are reading through the Daily Bible, I'm really throwing you for a loop today because I'm picking a story you're not even remotely close to. But I'm the pastor, so I can do what I want. (laughs) You'll be getting to it when you go through the lives of Elijah and Elisha. And in the life of Elisha, there's a phenomenal little story. You know, Elijah and Elisha were famous for their miracles some of which Jesus repeated, those kind of miracles. Raising the dead, for example, that's in there, right? Uh, Making things last forever, the feeding of the 5,000, making food last, extending a little bit of food to feed a, a multitude. He did that as well. So Elijah and Elisha were both pictures of the coming Messiah, Jesus. Gave a hint into some of the things that he would do when he showed up which Jesus did, and you can read about that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your, in your New Testament. If you want to make sure I'm not making anything up, the Bible in your, in your seat, it's page 386 and 387, the story I'm about to share with you. But I'm just going to tell you the story, and we're going to do this um, fairly quickly, uh, just for the, the fun of it today, as well as to have a bit of an understanding of what God calls us to. When When there is a baptism of repentance, God's still calling us to that, really, as followers of Jesus and those who need to become followers of Jesus. So allow me to tell the story. i got to give you a little background. Uh, In the Old Testament, uh, let me move past that, Israel, as they get away from God, they end up having enemies attack them, right? They have wars. Uh, Somebody said to me this morning, I'm glad I'm out of all that major warfare because it's like a lot of it. One of the reasons I think the Bible is so so trustworthy is because if you were trying to start a religion, you wouldn't write the stories that are in the Bible because it makes followers of God look kind of goofy sometimes. You ever notice that? Uh, It's real. It's excruciatingly real about how broken we are. It really is. But there were wars. God allowed the enemies of of Israel to test them. One of the enemies that became a big problem during the times of Elijah and Elisha were the upper kingdom there. See the kingdom of Aram, Damascus? See that? Uh, Those of you who have never looked at one of these, that just gives you a little idea where Israel is on the Mediterranean Sea. You get that. You can see Jerusalem. Wait, oh, I have a little doohickey on this, don't I? Oh, look at that. How cool. High tech. I figured it out, Mom. (laughs) So right down here is Jerusalem. This is the southern kingdom, which David's tribe kept, right, when the kingdom got divided. If you haven't seen that yet, as you read the the Old Testament, you'll get the story. Uh, They end up divided because, again, of disobedience and and, uh, not listening to what God says. So that's Jerusalem. The northern kingdom, the other ten tribes, are called Israel. So as you move your way through the... Scripture, you talk about Judah and you talk about Israel, like they're two different things. Well, that's because they're divided, but it's all part of the Jewish kingdom, right? Now, this northern truck, whoops, I hit the wrong button. See, technology and me do not get along very well. Up here, 
Anybody know what's, what country this is today? Yes. Lots of news, right? This is Syria. But back then, it was called Aram, and the Arameans would periodically come into Israel and attack and make raids. One thing that happened that you really should know, because it plays into today's story, one time when they made a raid and they took captives, one of those captives comes into today's story, but one time they came into Israel and they were surrounding a city because every time they made a military plan, somehow espionage was happening. Every time espionage was happening. In other words, the king of Israel would find out what they were going to do and would defend themselves, and the king of Aram was pulling his hair out. I don't know if he had hair, but I think he was pulling his hair out. And he said, who's ratting on us? Which one of you guys is a spy? Where's the mole? And one man finally said to him, uh, I hate to fill you in on this, but there's this prophet over there, Elijah, and everything you say in your bedroom, he's telling to the king. Whoa. Talk about psychic. Can God do that? Of course he can do that. If we think there's psychics today, which, by the way, there's phony ones and then there's real ones, are there real powers there? Yeah, it can be from God or it can be from the negative spirit world of Satan, right? Either way. But the point is, that's exactly what happened. And so they said, let's take out this prophet. So they surround his city. Some of you will know. Any of you been around a while? Anybody read the Bible before? Any, any, anybody still awake? Some of you are not. Um, anyway, they surround the city. And his servant says, oh, we're in trouble. Look at all these bad guys. And remember what Elisha says? Lord, open his eyes to see that the ones who are with us are more than the ones who are against us. And then as they start to close in, he says, strike them with blindness, Lord. And he strikes them with blindness. They lead this army by the hand right into Samaria. And when the king of Israel sees all of these Aramean soldiers poking around like this, He says, should I kill them? To the prophet. Shall I kill them? He goes, if you captured them, would you kill them? No, they'd be POWs. Treat them rightly. And so they did, and they went home. And from that time on, the Arameans stopped raiding Israel. They said, okay, we've had enough of this. Let's make nice. So they made nice for a while. It's in this period while they're making nice that today's story begins. The king of Aram has a great military leader, five-star general, famous, well-liked, popular, probably wanted to run for office. You know, the people would have liked to have had him run for office. He had in his household one of the, one of the little girls that was stolen from the land of Israel. By the way, with today's news... Uh, No question what side we should stand on when it comes to slavery and all of that, right? should be pretty obvious to us as believers what's right and wrong, that, uh, you know, some of the crazies and the KKK and all of that is a a little bit anti-Jesus. Would you agree with me? Okay. But sometimes in stories in Old Testament and in the Jewish community, a person who was enslaved ended up being a part of the family and loved being in that family. And this little girl, it tells us, loved her mistress and her master. That's Naaman and his wife. 
And one day she's thinking about her master, and there was one sad part to his life. I mean, he had speedboats, private pool. He had everything, but he had a problem. He had leprosy. We don't know exactly what kind that was, a disease of the skin, communicable, very inconvenient. You had to spend a lot of time in isolation. It was a hardship. It was a burden. And this little girl says, oh, that my master knew about the prophet in Samaria. That's in the kingdom of Israel. Oh, that he, she, oh, that he would know about that prophet because he could heal him. I'm glad I wasn't the pastor in Samaria that week. So what happened? His, the king, he goes to the king and says, hey, I heard about this prophet that can do miracles. Would you mind if I go? And the king said, yeah, take a good gift, you know, bring, you know, bring your political entourage, make a big hoopla, bring a lot of money, all kinds of credit cards and all kinds of gifts and all the latest, the Calvin Klein fashion. I mean, they had it all, all packed up. And, and, the, and the master sends him off. And Naaman comes to Israel looking for the prophet. So here's what happens. story goes like this. Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger. It's, without a doubt, it's Gehazi. We know him from the rest of the story. But he sends Gehazi out to him and says, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Now, anybody else uh, picking up on anything yet? I, I gave you notes if you're a note taker. I'm telling you the story. Now we're going to come to the exciting part. <laughs> he comes with all of this political entourage. Can you picture this? You know, it's a caravan. It's dignitaries. You ever, you ever watch any of this political stuff when our, our dignitaries travel around the globe and they meet and it's all this hoopla and it's a photo op and all of that? That's what's happening here. And Elisha says to his servant, would you go out and deal with this guy? Just, just tell him what to do. Go out, dip in the Jordan River seven times, you'll be healed. So how did that go? How do you think that worked for us? Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me. Stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Surely he'll do a religious doodah of some sort. You know, anoint me with oil. Do something. Make a fuss. Pray a magnificent. Surely he'll be religious and, you know, let's see some action here. He's furious. Ah, the flesh. Are you all following me? That's the flesh. You know what I'm talking about. My wife told me weeks ago I had to define it. That's your sin nature at work. I don't like that. I don't like the way this went down. This doesn't make me happy. In other words, I'm confronted with the gospel. I don't like that. What do you mean I have to repent? What do you mean I have to stop doing this? I was doing a wedding and interacting with some fine folks, and uh, this person spoke to me, and he said, uh, well, what does God think about marijuana? I'm like, you don't want to know the answer, because obviously you're asking for a reason. <laughs> Our flesh said, yeah, but I think that's dumb. Okay, think it's dumb. 
Naaman says, what's with this guy? And he goes off in a huff. Guess what? He's still a leper. Fill in the blanks. I can go through tons of illustrations of how our flesh derails the blessing of God from coming to us. Because we stiffen our neck and we say, that's garbage. I've heard people say the gospel is too simple. It's not intellectual enough. Really? So God saves us on the basis of our intellect. Then some of us are really in trouble. Is that how it works? It's too difficult or it's too demanding or I don't like it. I remember one time uh, a a gentleman who was in a, he actually was in bondage and he knew it. And his spouse was telling him, you need to go make an appointment with these pastors because, you know, God can free you of this. And his attitude was, well, I'm a Christian and there's one mediator between God and man and that's the man Christ Jesus. So why do I need to talk to anybody else? When he finally caved in and came to my office, I said, you had to come here specifically because of that stinking attitude of yours. Because God was saying, until you bend, until you come my way and stop being a know-it-all, you're not going to get free. And the good news was he did get free. He did. It was fun. (laughs) Anybody remember the book of Jonah? Heard a great sermon on Jonah one time. Little outline. Four, four short chapters. Jonah is the one who was sent as a missionary to Nineveh, the enemy of Israel, right? He hates those people. So the way the story goes is, chapter one, Jonah is told to go preach to them. What does he do? He runs for his life. He, I don't want to go. So he gets in a boat and he goes the opposite direction. Everybody know that? So here's the outline. He runs away. He gets swallowed by the big fish. It's not a whale. It's a big fish. I don't know what it was. And he repents, and he cries out to God, because I'm drowning down here. This is not good. God delivers him, and now he goes to Nineveh, and at the end, something else happens. Nineveh repents. They come God's way, and he's mad about it. What a rotten Christian. He's just like me sometimes. Can you imagine? Anybody get what I'm saying? So the way this was outlined by this preacher is man running from God. This is the story of Jonah. Man running from God. Man running to God. Man running with God. Man running God. And there's the flesh. I'm going to run God. I'm going to tell him how this needs to go down because I don't like it this way. I don't like that music. I don't like that kind of ministry. I'm telling you we're going to do this whether God says so or not because our flesh wants to tell him what to do. Well, thank goodness Naaman had good fellow friends, servants who loved him and said, sir, when they followed him storming off in his little hissy fit, they said, hey, hey, uh, Sir, if he had asked you to do something really amazing, like sell your Lamborghini and give it to the prophet or to the Jews, wouldn't you do it? If it was some huge thing, wouldn't have you done it? You know, of course you would. And he calmed down. He goes, yeah, I guess you're right. 
even though this river is kind of smelly compared to the rivers I'm used to back in Damascus, which is a really cool metropolitan city, you know. And so he caves in, he comes back. I, I imagine, I wonder how sheepish he was at that point. But he goes and he actually dips in the Jordan River how many times? Seven, not three, not five, seven times, and what happens? Even if you didn't read the story, guess. He gets healed. He's completely healed. All right. What had to happen? Oh, I hate that word. Anybody hear it? It's obedience. Obedience. Let me show you a scripture. The scripture is clear. This is in the same chapter. We were having a dialogue with, uh, with some of our mentorees about this very verse because it's in the same chapter as John 3.16. Can anybody quote John 3.16 for me? I know we can do better than that. God so loved the world... Very good. You pass. That same verse of God's great love for the world, here's what it says. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not... What? 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 what, what? Where did that come from? He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let me just say, that word, the wrath of God, that just triggers all kinds of confusion and silliness. People think of a God who's going, I think I'll blow you up, you know. That, that's not who he is. Let me just give you a quick definition. The wrath of God is the settled disposition he has against sin. Like we're, we're appealing today nationally. Can we have a settled disposition against hatred? You know, race hatred or what? Can we make up our mind that that's wrong? A settled disposition. That's what God has against sin. So it's not some kind of a hissy fit at all, but a settled disposition. But in that same chapter about the love of God, it speaks of this very issue. So let me move on rather than parking on that. It's simply that God, in order to remain just and holy, has to deal with sin in a just and holy way. And the only way he could do that to rescue us was somebody had to pay the death penalty, which he did eternally in his son. But here's what it says. He who does not obey the son shall not see life. Why does it say that? Well, I'm going to give you a hint because listen to this. You know what the, the Greek word is that's translated there? See if you can guess what this means. Apatheo. Don't we think of apathy as a negative? We do, because it's when I should care about something and I'm... It's a nasty not caring, right? It's not ignorance, it's I don't care. And that's the root. And here's the way it's translated in two other places. Whoever rejects the Son, that's the NIV. I like the next one better. I think it captures what it's saying. In the New Jerusalem Bible, it says, but anyone who what? refuses to believe. I was taken up short one day. There's a guy on the radio named um, McDonald. Anybody know who I mean? Tom, is it Tom McDonald, that pastor? Big church. He's, on the radio. He's a good preacher, huh? James. James McDonald. That's the guy. 
because somebody called me and said, you know, this guy reminds me of you. And I said, that's because they always steal my stuff. That's why I don't listen to these guys. They're always stealing my... Uh, that's a little in-joke, right, Christine? That's a little in-joke. Every time she talks to me, she says, I was listening to this guy, and he's saying exactly what you're saying. I said, that's because he's got my office bugged and keeps stealing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't have... <laughs> it's just fun. Hey, sorry, you guys. I'm sorry you guys don't have a sense of humor. I just... I'm in the wrong. Anyway, I'm listening to him one day, and he talked about this very thing. And he was talking about faith and how it's not as complicated as we make it out to be. And all of a sudden, as he was speaking, maybe you're out there today, and you have chosen not to believe. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's like 90%. Right? That's like 90%. There are those who occasionally, I'm having trouble with this intellectually. If they were really honest, they would seek it out because there are answers to those intellectual dilemmas. You don't assassinate. Those people for 2,000 years who have gone through the waters of baptism are not all morons. I hate to fill you in on that. They're not. Some of them were brilliant. Some of the beginnings of our science as we know it today were started by Christians. Do you understand that? But we don't take the time to dig that out. It's true. You refuse to believe. It's like, oh, man. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. Jesus loves you. He cares about you enough to give his life, to interpose his blood in the way to rescue you. But I refuse to believe because I don't like it. I don't like this. I don't like that. Oh, I might have to do that. Oh, I know all those churches, all they want is your money. I know once you become a Christian, you can never have any fun. I guess I never became a Christian. Anyway, I'm having more fun than uh, I'm allowed. Really, it shouldn't be legal. But anyway, the flesh reaction. But here's the point. In your notes, I wrote this. There's a choice involved, is there not? Choice, the choice is obedience is an appeal to your will, not to your intellect. Yes, your intellect may be involved. Yes, your emotions may be involved. I've seen people get very emotional about Jesus and be lost. I've seen people know lots of knowledge about what the Bible says about Jesus and be lost. It's a choice of the will. I need to respond to his invitation to follow him. So this Dear man made a choice, and look what happened. He chose to obey. He was baptized, if you will, in a moment of repentance. Isn't that true? I mean, it was a literal baptism. He immersed himself seven times. Aren't you glad we only do once? Yeah, I know when I get candidates up there, they're like, well, am I going to live through this? Yes, I've never lost a customer yet. Not once. I've had really big guys, and I've never lost them. And aren't you glad we're not uh, certain sects who baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? And you hold them under the last... Anyway, make sure they get it, you know? Seven times, a baptism of repentance, and he gets it. And look what happens in the story. I love this ending. When he returned to the man of God with all his company, catch this, he came and stood before him. Before who? Before who? Yeah, now Elisha came out to the gate. First time, we're going to have a little test of this man's flesh. How submissive is he? How serious is he 
to do what is right in order to be delivered. And once he knows, he was serious. He followed, he had a little fit, yes, but he followed through. Anybody remember the story of Jesus saying to uh, about two sons where a father goes out and says, would you go out and work in the field? And one said, oh, yeah, I'll go do it. And then he went and partied with his friends. The other kid said, get lost. I ain't working today in the field. You're always pestering me, dad. And then he repented and he went out and worked in the field. Jesus asked a simple question. Who did the will of his father? Yeah, he had a little flesh reaction, a little hissy fit. He got over it and he chose to obey. He acted on his will choice. He stood before Elisha. Elijah now comes out and says, hey, how'd, I, how'd it go for you? <laughs> Wouldn't you love to be there in some of these? Just listen in. So, so how'd it go? He said, behold now, I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. I'm convinced. I'm converted. I'm going to follow this God of Israel, Yahweh, also known in our latter days as Jesus the son of God, right? And he said, um, you know, I got a problem. I am a political dignitary. When I go home, I'm going to have to go into this temple of Rimmon, this thunder god, you know, with a thunderbolt in his hand. That's the kind of person he was, later Zeus, whatever. And he says, my master, that is the king, leans on my arm because it's a big, you know, politics and religion were linked together back then. Totally. And... Uh, when I go in there, we've got to bow down. Would, would, would Yahweh forgive me for that? I really am distressed about it, but is that okay? And he says, let me tell you what else I want to do. I'm this serious about it. This is amazing. This guy comes out fresh from Aramea, from, the, from Syria, and he gets this. There's no God in all the earth but in Israel. Please let your servant at least be given two mules of a load of earth. For your servant will no more offer burnt offering, nor will he sacrifice to other gods, but to Yahweh, to the Lord. Isn't that cool? Why did he want dirt? Because that's the way they thought at that time. If I have a little of Israel dirt, I'll put it on the ground at home, and I'll kneel down on that, and I'll worship Yahweh, and he'll hear me. And you know what? Elisha said, boy, are you stupid theologically? We've got we to gotta straighten you out, you numbskull. You think that's what he said? No, he said, you obviously got it enough. And his last words are, and I love this ending, go in peace. Go in peace. Naaman was converted. Naaman came to know the true God and determined. He was, he was like this baptism here. I'm determining from this day on, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do what he says. That's what he made up his mind to do. And that's when the prophet says, and the Holy Spirit says to you, oh, you finally stopped having a hissy fit? You're willing to come his way? Go in peace. Go in peace. Do you have to have it all together? No. Do you have to figure out all the theology? you have to have the Bible memorized? No. You can go in peace. Isn't that good news? So today, I don't know where you're at, whether you're a believer who's still having a hissy fit or whether you are someone who's listening in, looking in, wondering about the gospel. This person, Jesus, is alive today. He still transforms people. The fact that you've run into some you're not too sure you can figure them out is irrelevant. He's still alive and real 
and gives the gift of life and says, go in peace if you come his way. So I'm just going to tell you that as I close this service right now, uh, I'm going to have you stand. We're going to pray together. If you want to search out either a fresh obedience or know what it means to trust Christ or just ask questions about it, I'll be staying up front and others will be with me to help you out if you want to talk. Okay? Let's stand together. If you can. If you can't, stay seated. Thanks for those who have gone through the waters of baptism today, God, identifying in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the salvation of our souls. Thank you that uh, they gave clear witness. They have trusted you. You have started a new work in their lives, and we're grateful. And Lord, we need you to do new works, really, more often in our lives than we often give you permission. Transform us, help us, help those who perhaps are listening and saying, just not sure about this. Show them your love for them. It's more than our love, that's for sure. And that you care enough and every single human is of value to you, which is why you interposed your blood on our behalf. I'm asking God for you to minister to people where they are, in or out, for your namesake, I commend your people to your grace, angelically protect them in this week. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Go in peace. Unless you want to come forward and talk. See you later.